Blue Chip Sports Network presents Kid of the Game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and bluechipbroadcasting.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Get in the Game. It's episode 93, and we are talking tonight about sports heroes. The gang's all here tonight. I got my partner, Brian Nelson, the kid, Jordan Santa Maria, and the professor, Mr. Reggie Wright. And before we go any further, talking about sports heroes, you know, Brian, I think we've got a, a hero that is near and dear to our heart. I mean, it's not every day that we get to do a podcast with the world's sexiest man. Three times over, according not to People once, Magazine. Not once, not twice, three times. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but he did share that information with impressionable graduates just a couple of weeks ago, including two relatives of mine. So I can't imagine he would steer those kids wrong. He made it public record, so the sexiest man alive, Mr. Reggie Wright. Hey, you know what, guys? Uh, I, I know, I know that we are audio only in this one, so I'm going to lean into that and just uh, just roll with it. It's true, you know. Three time, three time, sexiest man, People Magazine, sexiest man of the year. Uh, so, you know, you, you're you're in the you're in the presence of greatness right now. So, 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 let me just ask you, just out of curiosity, three times. What three years was it exactly, Reg? Uh, we're going to say. 2011, 2014, and 2016. Were know? those particularly good beard years? Is that what it yeah. was? Yeah, that's what it was. You know, it was uh, <laughs> good years. Um, I found some, It's a, you know, my secret, Eric, is I, I use beard oil. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly where I get it, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping for a, a, a fourth, fourth, uh, fourth championship here coming up in uh, okay. 2021. So, oh, you you know what that Red, means? Reg, that's sustained greatness from 11, 14, and 16. That that is all time. That that's is right. legendary. And sure. second yeah. off, you you need to share the beard oils because, like I was telling you earlier, I'm I'm trying to grow my own, and right now I just have the strong goatee, so I'm working on it. But you, and you, everybody you know, thought in 2011 it was Bradley Cooper. No, 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 no. Reggie, the professor, right? Well, 11, 14, and 16, those were the three years that Reggie shaved his back, so he was showing him his good side. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a win all the way around. Oh, oh. man. Oh. man it is you are spot on, right out of the gate. Hey, let's talk. <laughs> if I can get myself together here real quick, uh, let's talk about sports heroes. And what a topic, right? That it is wide open because there really is no one definition for a hero. No, I think when you look at it, Eric, a hero could be someone who got you into sports. It could be somebody that you admired watching play sports. It could be someone that played sports that you admire off the field. It could be someone you played with, someone who coached you. You know, so many different avenues with which you can take this. And I think that's what's going to be fun tonight is each of us are going to look at it in a different way. Some of us are going to look at people from our childhood. Some are going to look at present day people in sports. I think it's interesting. Jordan, kind of, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think being in sports all my life and now coaching, growing up, I've always had, you know, people I've looked up to. There's been so many players that we'll get into that, you know, because of their greatness and what they did on the field, I wanted to be like that. And I wanted to, you know, whether it be swing the bat the way they swung the bat or shoot the basketball the way they shot it, 
um, I wanted to emulate everything they did. And then in my personal life, like we'll get into that, um, just the amazing coaches that I've had and that I've been around and um, that have impacted me, you know, on the court and off the court. Um, I think we can go a lot of ways with this podcast. You know, what's disappointing to me, Brian, that um, for Jordan, I'm so old, even if I was good at anything, I wouldn't have been his childhood idol. I would have been past my prime when he was a child. <laughs> that is not fun. You, you uh, could have been the legend. <laughs> yeah. now, now I'm just the old smelly guy. <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric was like the umpire that I, I was like, oh, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's got, got that old man game. Got that old man uh, game. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited to hear which direction you guys take this. Because as you all know, uh, you guys have spent enough time around me. Really, I'm my own hero. So when I, when I consider, uh, you know, like athletes and whatnot, I look at guys that I respect or guys that entertain me and that's kind of my litmus test. So I'm interested to see which direction you guys go, uh, with your picks. Uh, you are a legend in your own mind. You go, Rich. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> he, he is, he, he's made up the whole three sexiest man thing. So <laughs> he is a legend in his own mind. Um, you know, let me, let me kick it off. One of the, the, the most, obvious sports hero to me is somebody that you watch when um, you're kind of like in uh, in the prime of life and they are maybe the best at not just what they do, but at how they do it and when they do it. And so for me, the first one, and I'll just start out because I think it's the most obvious one for me. One of my heroes um, was watching Michael Jordan. Uh, Jordan really came into the league to the NBA as a rookie in 84, 85. For me, I was 22 years old in 84. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm about the same age as him and watching him do what he did when he was my age um, was absolutely incredible. And then to understand. And humbling, right? And humbling. Like you'd, you'd uh, see a guy your own age on TV do what he did and you'd think, gosh, I, I really need to hit the treadmill or I, I really need to do some stretching. No, it was, it was actually more demoralizing than that. It was like, if he's doing that, I'm, I'm done. Um, it's over. Um, but to think that he, he won, he went back to back to back. He three-peated not once, but twice with a retirement in the middle. And as I was looking through his numbers, this is the thing that just stands out to me more than anything. I think if I'm, if I'm accurate here, I think all the years that he made the playoffs, all the years he made the playoffs, only one time did he not average more points in the playoffs than he did during the regular season. He was a beast when it counted. He was a winner, and, and that was one of the things uh, that I will take with me from Michael Jordan is that he would do he would stop at nothing to win. His competitiveness was off the charts. Now, when you're looking at a hero like this, it's not because of anything uh, of a character of his character necessarily, or of what he's done or who he is, because he's got some issues. We all have warts and he's got his own personally. Um, I don't, Eric, I'm the uh, three times sexiest man of the year. So no warts over here. That's just, just back hair, no warts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he uses the back hair to cover the warts. Uh, um, and by the way, did he tell you the, the People magazine, it's spelled P-E-E-P-E-L. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. 
It's a local publication. I, I thought he spelled it P-E-E-P-O-L-E. And that's... <laughs> but, you know, either way. That's immaterial. a different kind of magazine, Eric. <laughs> it's a whole back different Michael, genre. Back to Michael Jordan. So, And I think he was the best at what he did, not just in his own sport. I think he dominated more than any single participant in any sport ever did. That's just my opinion. That's why in that particular realm, he's one of my sports heroes. Yeah. And Eric, just to follow up on that, just because, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Michael Jordan, but the first pair of sneakers on my feet were Jordans. Um, my first sweatsuit kind of like, you know, matching jacket and sweats were Jordans. Like I literally have a poster in my room right now that I'm looking at. That's, you know, his, the shot during the flu game and all these different moments. Um, and I wasn't really around, like I was born 96. So <clears throat> towards the end of Jordan's career and I didn't get to see him, I guess in his prime, but I've seen all the flashback games and stuff like that. But just from my family, my dad, my uncles and everybody talking about him and still to this day, me wearing his shoes and the impact that he's had on the game. And even, you know, Kobe and LeBron, they're always on that pedestal that we're always trying to match Jordan, right? I think he has had an impact on anybody that plays basketball in, in any walk of life. Um, so for sure, one of the greatest and one of the biggest sports heroes of all time. Well, I think not only was he a great player, but he changed so much about sports from a marketing perspective. He brought people in that were not sports fans to watch basketball because of the marketing he did, whether it be through Nike, whether it be through Gatorade, McDonald, whatever it is he did, he changed that to where it used to always be actors and entertainers and musicians that were pitch people. He became one of the first big time players to be a major pitch man for a big time company. And I think not only did he change basketball in certain aspects, but across all sports, he changed the way sports were marketed and products were marketed by sports figures and these big shoe contracts and other endorsement deals that these guys now sign for ridiculous money, more money than they make playing the sport they play. They can all thank Michael Jordan. He should just ask, hey, I'll just take a 1% commission off that and he'd have, well, he still has plenty of money. He'd have even more money. But I, that's the thing I was impressed by him that when he really transformed an entire industry. The thing the thing that I remember about Jordan is, um, so Jordan, you mentioned, you know, you were born, you were born in 96. So you, you kind of caught the tail end. I, I was like, 10, 11, 12, 13, right? When he was in the middle of his prime, you know, in the, uh, in the three-peat years. Um, and I have always been a homer. I root for local teams or a fan of the underdog. So I hated Michael Jordan when he was playing like live, you know, cause, cause he would always win. And that, but the thing, you know, like looking back on it now, I think more so, I mean, if, if you, if you look at the paper trail and you look at Jordan's numbers versus somebody like Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell, you know, Jordan put together some incredible numbers, but they, they don't quite leap off the page like some of those other guys, um, although they are impressive. The thing that set Michael Jordan above everyone else was that he was a stone-cold killer when the chips were down. Like, he could not be beat. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was incredible to watch him because you knew it was coming. Uh, 
every time, you know, you, you knew that he was going to find a way to make a big play, get a big steal, uh, you know, rally his teammates uh, and, and inspire them to greatness. You know, I think of the, the Steve Kerr shot, even, you know, it's like no matter what, he was going to find a way to win, and there was no stopping him. Some numbers to support that. He is the um, top career regular season and playoff scoring average guy of 30.1 and 33.4 for his careers in both regular season and playoffs. He was a first-team all-defense, so he's scoring 30 points a night, and he was all-defensive nine times. He um, was five-time five MVP, six-time MVP finals, three all-star game MVPs, and is generally considered the most decorated player in NBA history. He was, he was something to watch, and it's something that – because it was when he did it was when I was probably most in tune with what was going on. He left an indelible impression, and, and that will to win um, – was something that was just outstanding. So, so that's, that's my obvious one. What else you got, Jordan? What do you got? Uh, I think there's a couple more that kind of, I guess would be on Mount Rushmore with Michael Jordan. Um, <clears throat> one that comes to mind recently, as I just watched his documentary and it's kind of a hobby that I've picked up, I think is Tiger Woods. Um, mm. And I think Tiger, again, like we said with Michael, I mean, off the, off the field or off the, you know, you know, the course he had, you know, things go on in his personal life. But I think one thing um, that I admire about Tiger so much after watching his documentary is that he perseveres through a lot of different things in his life, perseveres through, you know, a relationship with his dad, perseveres through different addictions that he's had through relationships. Um, and then just recently in the past couple of years to win, to win the Masters the way he did at, at his age with all the young bucks that were coming up. Um, to do that was amazing. Um, and, and to see the impact that he's had on golf, um, you know, as a, as a younger minority coming up in a sport where there wasn't many people like him to make golf more accessible to more people. Um, now that I play is something that is kind of amazing, you know, like, um, and, and for the same reasons as Michael Jordan, where he's made golf an exciting sport, you know, something fashionable, something marketable, um, I think that he is right there with Michael Jordan um, as kind of like that figure in golf. So I think Tiger Woods definitely deserves that recognition. And I think the thing that makes Tiger even more unique than Jordan, remember you always talk about Jordan getting cut from his sophomore team while he was, he got cut from the varsity to play JV as a sophomore and that fueled him. Tiger Woods has had expectation from day one, almost literally of his life you know, at what, three, four years old on the Tonight Show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he was groomed to be the great after Nicholas, the next great golfer, and he matched those expectations. And had he not had some of the struggles away from the course that are very well documented, who knows what he might have accomplished. His, his records are still amazing. But who knows how much more he could have accomplished in that. And I think that's that's maybe a little bit of the difference between it's like one person who kind of rallied behind a situation where he was cut, where another guy who not only met but exceeded ridiculously high expectations. Well, he's he's another guy, 
like Jordan, where for a stretch of time, it was it was just he was just pure dominance. I mean, there was you know you you tune into a to a tournament on Sunday and you knew that that he was at the top of the leaderboard, um, and and more so in an individual sport than a team sport. So you know everything rested squarely on his shoulders. And time and time again, I mean, it was a lock. It was a lock that he was going to win uh, whatever major was coming next. And and uh, he had a run that I don't know will ever be equaled in the sport of golf. Oh, remember the betting lines? Tiger or the field? Yeah. That's unheard of in a sport like golf where there's so many different players that can win and so many talented guys. It's just unbelievable. In a major, it would yeah. be Tiger versus the field. And so, so far, we've hit on Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods as, as heroes based on just their performance. Reg, do you have one of those guys just based on performance? Yeah, and mine is really controversial, Eric, because, um, you know, I mentioned I was I was like a like my formative years were in the in the mid to late 90s, even to early early 2000s. So there was a, a lot of. Um, questionable things going on in the sports world at that time, particularly in baseball. Uh, but that just happened to be the, the era when I was most impressionable. And, um, you know, one of the guys who was must see TV for me was Barry Bonds. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, a lot of what he accomplished was, was artificial, but man, like just for pure entertainment value, Every time he would come to the plate in like 2001, 2002, 2003, um, it was must see TV because you knew that he was either going to, uh, if, if he was going to get pitched to, if, if, if the pitcher was going to take him on, he was going to hit it out of the park or, um, you know, I mean, like you knew that that was going to happen. So, uh, I mean, Barry Bonds was, was he, and that was coming on the heels of the the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire chase. So that was really entertaining for me too. That's when I first really got into baseball. And so to have one, uh, you know, I've been a lifelong Giants fan. To have a hometown guy um, trying to uh, uh, crest the hill of of some of baseball's most storied records was incredibly entertaining. And uh, you know, now as a as a thirty four year old looking back, it's it's disappointing to know that it, that it you know there was a uh, everything was inflated and nothing will ever uh, we'll never see numbers like that put up again. But at the time, um, you know, he was the guy, he was my guy. He was my Michael Jordan, my Tiger Woods, the guy that I, that I couldn't miss on TV every time he played. So for me watching Barry Bonds, I get why everybody is you know upset and thinking that the numbers are artificial. But the one thing, and I'm not—I'm no apologist for for Barry. But the the thing that set Bonds apart to me is that he would get one pitch yeah. per game. Right. He'd be intentionally walked once or twice, pitched around once. He would get one hittable pitch per game, and he almost always hit it. Yeah, he'd put it almost, in the seat. Always. Yeah. Hit it. That has nothing to do with steroids. How far it went probably does. Sure. But the fact that he could square up the one pitch every night of the 20 that he would see, one of them would be hittable and he would hit it. 
that that's what stands out and makes his skill set, even though on steroids, you know, his skill set was so different. Well, if you have to remember, he was a Hall of Fame caliber player before he ever started. He was a 500-500 guy before he ever dabbled in the steroid world. I mean, he was a, a phenomenal player for more than a decade, the best player in baseball for 10 plus years yeah. before he ever touched it. So you take a Hall of Fame player, one of the best of all time, and then you throw the extra on top and you get literally almost superhuman. I told my boys at the time when they were watching, I'm like, you will never see this again. Little did I know why, but I mean, it was literally, like Red said, unbelievable to watch. It was an absolute show that we now now had some help, but it was it was still amazing. You said to square up the few pitches he saw in the strike zone and to, and to hit them hard. It's not just that he hit them. It's that he squared them up on the bat where they could take off. It's just, it's unbelievable. And, and there is nothing cooler than watching Barry Bonds hit a home run into McCovey Cove. Like, I'll, oh, there's man. nothing better. Like, I, I know, like, Boston has, you know, the green monster, but there's nothing like when Barry Bonds, when I'd go to AT&T or, you know, I'd go to the park and watch them and I'd have the seats. Barry come up. We're waiting. We're waiting. And everyone just knows that he's going to hit the ball at some point. And anytime he touched it, it could be a foul ball. <laughs> Everybody used to rise up to their seats. And that was the coolest thing about Barry. Because when he hit into the water, it was just like, that was like it for San Francisco. Like that was the the moment that everyone was waiting for. I'll give Jordan, you an I, I remember, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember one of the coolest things. Because, um, you know, what is it? Oracle Park now. It was Pac Bell when it first opened. Um so it had only been open for a few years when he was chasing the, the you know, Mark McGuire 70 home run record. Um, and when he got close from about, you know, home run 60 on, there would be so many kayaks and canoes and yachts and all different kinds of watercraft surfboards in McCovey Cove that, I mean, literally you could probably – walk from from one shoreline to the other without getting wet i mean it they, like they were just packed wall to wall and it was the coolest thing it was so much fun to watch i'll give you an example of how good he was so all-star game at the ballpark but oh seven eric because i knew you went to the futures game i went to the home run derby the next day and barry didn't do the home home run derby but you got to see batting practice so here's the big-time stars of the day, Cecil Fielder, these big left-handed hitters that would – or Prince Fielder that would just – even Ken Griffey Jr., these guys that just mash, and they could not get the ball out of the ballpark for okay. anything over that right field fence. And here comes Bonds that at that time over 40 years old, and he starts flipping them out. <laughs> just shot after shot after shot. And you can see it from our seats that he's got this grin like you don't realize I know how to do this and it was just to me that just kind of was a quick little snapshot of how really good he was at an advanced age to still be able to put the young power hitters of that time you know in their place it was really interesting Ryan Howard was a big time home run hitter then of course I said Cecil Prince Fielder and they could not I think we hit one out combined in batting practice and he just he must hit 10 in a row. It was crazy to watch. 
So, Brian, who is your sports hero strictly based on performance? Performance, I'm going to go to a present-day guy who I respect. We've talked about some guys who were great players but may have had some less than flattering things happen away from the playing court, field, course, whatever. I'm going to go with the guy that has not only changed the game of basketball recently, but probably one of the most respected people, not just in sport, but in all of entertainment. Uh, And we've been fortunate to watch him for the last decade do it here in our backyard, and that's Steph Curry. He has changed the game by making the three-point shot, maybe to a fault now because there's too many three-point shots for guys that really can't shoot it. But what he has been able to do, not just shooting the basketball, he's the greatest shooter of all time, but his ability to handle and to get better every single year, a guy who was slight of build when he was drafted, has built his body up, has improved his game in so many different facets. And then when you talk about character, I don't think you'll find too many athletes or people in general that would think any higher of anybody than Steph Curry, what he does in his community um, and just what he stands for. I just think high, high quality person and one of my favorite people to watch perform at the highest level. Yeah, Brian, I'll tell you, uh, just last week, I worked at uh, St. Mary's basketball camp in Moraga. And it was a kid's camp ages like six to 13. And on, on Wednesday we had uh, kind of like wear your Jersey day. And out of 200 kids, probably 50 of them dressed up in a Jersey. And I want to say 85% of the jerseys were Steph Curry jerseys. Yeah. I mean, that is like the impact. That's the impact. And I know it's still local, but I mean, literally like we would bring each kid up and it'd be Steph Curry, you know, the town jersey, Steph Curry, original Golden State jersey, Steph Curry, rookie jersey. Like <clears throat> the kids still to this day, the impact that Steph has, honestly, it, it almost is uncomparable. I mean, well, there's, there's two things that strike me about Steph Curry. He is every man because he's not big, but he goes about his business with joy, right? He is not the disgruntled superstar. He is not the guy that gripes and complains and and moans about every call he plays with joy and that's i think what makes him unique and special and and such a pipe piper of people who are tired of all the moaning and crying and complaining and and he just he plays and has fun it's exciting to watch you can see it you can see it you know and it uh, be- because you can tell he's having fun playing. You have fun watching it. Yep. So, and I think we, the, the uniqueness of him, and I think we'll see that with, with him, just like we saw with Kobe. I mean, I can't guarantee, but you have to imagine he is going to play in one uniform. Something even Jordan didn't do, but he right. will play in one uniform. And there's something unique about one of the best players of their generation or a game-changing player who only played in one uniform. I think there's a specialness about that. There's a, recogni- there's a recognition that comes with that that's different than a superstar who's bounced around from place to place. For sure. Yep. Yep. Yes. Okay, so we've, we've talked about athletes who are kind of our heroes just strictly based 
on performance. Uh, and, and that's great. I think there are other heroes that people may not be as familiar with and other reasons why you have heroes. Um, and so I, I want to play, play a little game with you three. I am going to give you some clues about my next sports hero. And I want you to see if you can guess who it is. And I bet you I can get to the end and, and you will have little to no idea. Can I get before before you start, Eric? Can I just ask: Is this person a hero? Can you can you share with us why they're a hero? Like, is it is it performance based? Is it because they inspired you to want to go out and play the sport, or is it because you respected what they did off the field, or or is that part of the game? Is that kind of a secret? It, well, you'll you'll kind of it'll it'll develop as we go, but I I will tell you that as you listen, it's about what this person accomplished, not just on the field but what this person accomplished away from the field as well. Okay. And okay. we'll start with, uh, he was a Medal of Freedom winner presented by Donald Trump. Okay. He has written a, two children's books. He has created his own foundation when that has awarded... What? Do we, have, we're, we're t- we guess at the end? You can guess if, if 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 you think you're coming up with it, you go for it. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll I'll let you finish. I, I have a guess, but go ahead. I have an idea too, but go ahead. He has established his own foundation that has awarded grants to more than 7,500 students, who have then, in turn, because they've received this grant, turned in 475,000 hours of their own time in support of young children. He has a law degree. He was an associate justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court. He has been a broadcaster. He was the NFL Players Association rep for two different terms. I know who it is. He, okay, so hang on to that. We'll see if the other other two won't. It It was before they were I know I was I was barely old enough. I remember him. He he was the first of only two NFL MVPs from the defensive side of the football, and he was the first to win it, aside from Lawrence Taylor as a defensive player. He is, of course, in the Hall of Fame. He's played in four Super Bowls. His defense actually had a nickname. They were the Purple People Eaters. And I grew up, Minnesota was my favorite team growing up. And Super Super Bowl Sunday was always heartbreaking for me. Hated it. I was out <laughs> playing in the backyard by about the middle of the second quarter because they <laughs> lost all four games. But my favorite player on that, on my favorite team, uh, was Alan Page. That's who I thought it was. And he was a remarkable player. Um he was a even better individual. Wasn't he 81, Eric? 80 or 81? 88. 88. Carl Eller was 81. He was okay. 88. Here's you, you, And here is the thing that's just interesting to me about him. He eventually got cut by the Minnesota Vikings because he picked up a, a habit while helping his wife quit smoking they started to be to, to run. And because he ran so much, he was the first 
active NFL player to compete and complete a marathon. <laughs> he could not keep the weight on that the Minnesota Vikings wanted him to have. And so they eventually cut him for that reason because he couldn't stay big enough because he would run, you know, 55 to uh, 55 to 65 miles per week um, and couldn't hold on the weight. But that is a, that's a life. And right? he's still alive, Eric? Yes, he is still alive, uh, still working the foundation, um, still writing kids books. Uh, he is retired from the Minnesota Supreme Court as an associate justice. Um, but that that's is a pretty, life to me that is unbelievable. That's why he's one of my sports heroes. He was my favorite player at the time, but what he has done afterwards to me as a man means far more. That's, I mean, that's a, that's, that's quite a laundry list of accomplishments off the field. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't even touch them all. He is, um, a member of the NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. Uh, he played for Notre Dame. Um, NFL defensive player of the year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. That's that's why he's one of my heroes is because of what he did later. How about you guys? What do you got? So we're going for heroes like because of reasons off the court? Possibly, or, or just something field. that's special for you. Okay. Um I mean, I know it's kind of cliche and kind of recent, but, but I, you know, like I, I was kind of joking around, like I'm, I'm not my own hero, but I, I just, t I, I generally tend not to, uh, hold, hold up sports figures. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I enjoy they they're entertaining to me and I appreciate watching certain guys, but I tend not to follow their lives or anything off, off the, off the field or whatever. Um, so I generally don't have favorites in, in that way, except for one guy who I feel, you know, I, I kind of watched recently go through a lot um, for no reason other than, than uh, you know, for, for his beliefs. And that's Tim Tebow. Um, he's a guy who, you know, had a dream and he, he was a Heisman trophy winner Uh you know, many thought that, or, or you would think that Heisman Trophy success would lead to NFL success, and it didn't for him. But he, he didn't quit, and you know, he pursued passions while while still holding on to that dream that he had of of being an NFL quarterback. He won an, a, a playoff game as a quarterback, and then um, you know, despite it all, and and the amount of heat that he took for. Um, believing in his dream that wasn't working out. He stuck with that dream and, uh, you know, was able to, to do a lot in addition to that, you know, became a broadcaster. Um, obviously he done, he does a ton of charity work. Um, but he pursued, uh, a career as a baseball player, you know, tried to, uh, dip his toe in the water of, of major league baseball and, and has just experienced a lot of things and, and really, um, I think the thing that impresses me most though is for a guy that has received as much scrutiny and has been under the microscope as much as he has to be able to kind of remain above the fray. Um, I, I just, I really respect and admire that. I, I can't agree with you more. He, he, he lives his values. And the thing that's interesting is the amount of flack he's getting 
for trying to come to come back as a tight end. Yeah. Um, and you, you just keep your, he keeps his head down and keeps working and not going to put it past him and he'll be successful. Yep. Well, you notice the only person not talking about Tim Tebow being a tight end for Jacksonville is Tim Tebow. Uh-huh. He's yep. just going to put his head down and do the best he can. And if he gets a spot, he gets a spot. And if not, I can promise you he will have an impact about on young players at OTAs and in training camp this coming summer, regardless of whether he makes the team or not. He will impact somebody's life to make them a better person on and off the field. And isn't that really what a teammate's supposed to be? There you go. Good good call, Reg. I like that. Good call. Who else you got? Jordan, you got one? Yeah. I think mine are more kind of personable, so not necessarily, you know, famous athletes, but my two high school coaches, Coach Johnny and Coach Dex, um, are probably the reason why I played college basketball and continue to coach college basketball. Um, and they're two kind of polar opposites. I think Coach Johnny was, he was my head coach and he was more of the the hard nose <clears throat> type of coach. Um, and he kind of instilled in me, you know, hard times don't last, hardworking people do. Um, and just different values off the court, um, being on time, being accountable, just really just learning how to be a young man and grow up and, you know, finish out high school, attend college if that's what you want to do. If not, then, you know, do something else to support your family. Um, and he's impacted my life in so many ways. And then Coach Dex, who is more of the, uh, um, I guess, yin to his yang, who anytime I had a hard time with Coach Johnny because I didn't like what he was doing, he would always be like, you can do it, keep it going, like we'll make it through. Um, and he's kind of really influenced me in my academic career. Um, as he's just finishing his doctorate at Harvard. Um, and he really, he really pushed me, um, you know, to attend a four-year university because neither of my parents did, and I didn't really have anybody else that attended a four-year. Um, pushed me to continue to play basketball. I would always talk to him still to this day about coaching and how I can become better and how I can influence young people. Um, and I think those two are a big reason why I still love basketball continue to want to coach basketball and help young kids that, you know, are always on the fence about, I don't know if I can make it or it might be too hard or, you know, maybe not even about sports, but just about life in general, you know, like I, it, this is too difficult. Nothing is too difficult if you just keep working. So those are mm-hmm. two of the people that have impacted me the most. Standing. Very cool. Outstanding. Brian, what do you got? Well, the other guy that I listed is more of my past, Hero was my hero growing up. Um, He played on my favorite team. He was at that time starting to wind down his career by the time I was old enough to pay attention to uh, who he was. He's a Hall of Famer, six-time All-Star. Before Bonds was walked intentionally 100 million times, this guy was walked intentionally 20 times a year, five different years. He's number two all-time in Grand Slam home runs. Eric knows who I'm talking about. And you realize that his, you know, I'll give you the new stat, OPS plus. You know, he has a greater lifetime OPS plus than every 
current Major League Baseball player, but Mike Trout. And when you hear of him and he is discussed in the greats of Giants history, he's there. He's not the top. And he'll tell you he shouldn't be the top. But he is right there at number two. And that is Stretch Willie McCovey. Just the way he carried himself. They called him the gentle giant. He was, as a little kid, to watch McCovey play first base, which is the position I love to play, being left-handed like I was, to watch this enormous man be able to play that position, to swing the bat so hard. You know, we talk about shifts now, and I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about shifts in the next few podcasts, but... He, in the National League, was the first guy that was really ever shifted against. It was called the McCovey shift, where they shifted three guys to the right side of second base. Um, You know, he had hit 30 home runs seven times in a ballpark like Candlestick that killed home run balls because of the wind. He had over 100 RBIs four different times. Uh, Just my favorite player growing up. I only got to watch him play for about three or four years before he retired in 1980, but he always was a guy. I would try to swing like him, which wasn't a good idea. That didn't but, work out uh, for you, Brian. Did not work <laughs> out for me. Did not have that kind of talent, but just a great guy. And it was a very sad day when he passed away uh, a few years ago, um, but a really good man, very quiet man, but one of the giant greats of all time. And I don't know if you know, and I'll see if Eric knows this, but you know that he did not spend his entire career with the Giants. Nope. So, Reg Jordan, he played for two other teams over the course of a total of, I think, two years, two and a half years. Do you have any idea who those other two teams were? One is in the American League. One is in the National League. Um, My guess would be... Well, I mean, I know, I know Mays played for the Mets. Was it the Mets? No. Okay. The Reds? No. Hmm. Eric, much closer to home. He never left the state of California. Much closer to home. So the A's? A's is one. The Padres. Yeah. Padres is the other. That is correct. (laughs) 74, 75 seasons. He did not play. They didn't re-sign him. And uh, he came back in 76, played his last five years with San Francisco. Yeah. One of only a handful of players to play in four different decades. He's got his own cove. That says a lot about the man. Tells you a little bit. He gets his own cove. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, those are great. There, there is a level of sports hero that we haven't talked about yet. And I've got a guy that I really want to highlight that, that, that most people won't know. I mean, Alan Page had this career after his career, but there was a guy who didn't get to have a career after a career that nobody knows. And and we still don't talk about him. This happened back in 1983. In, in, In 1980, he was a running back for Northwestern State for, um, in college, uh, he actually held the record or still holds the record of 263 yards of rushing yards in the second half of a single game, (laughs) 263 in the second half 
Oh, man. Uh, he was an All-American and coming out of Northwestern State. He also started in track. He 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 ran the 100-yard dash in 9-4. Holy smokes. So the man was quick. And when he was at Northwestern State, they won the NCAA 400-meter relay in 1981, in the spring of 81. He got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round. He was the rookie of the year in the AFC for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, then in the in year two in 1982, there was the player strike, plus he had surgery for a detached retina. So he didn't get to play all of that much uh, in his second season. After, during the off season of that second season, he was living hey, you, in you, Ruston. You know how his retina got detached, right, Eric? He, he just, he ran so fast that it just blew right off. It was wind shear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in 83, living in Ruston, Louisiana, he and uh, his family went with some friends to a, a, an amusement park. And there were some kids that were playing in a pond, and they really shouldn't have been playing in that pond. And he was trying to get them out. And they went further and further away, and then they started to struggle and call for help. And uh, this, this man did not know how to swim. And yet he jumped into the pond uh, to rescue these three kids. He saved one. And he and the other two kids passed away because he was trying to be selfless and, and he gave his life for others. Kid's name was Joe Delaney. Um, and the thing that he, to think that he would be so selfless and not think about what he could have, but think about what they could lose um, is all, uh, it's really incredible. And when you compare it to what there was a, there was a hall of famer by the name of Elvin Bethea who played against uh, Joe Delaney, his rookie year. And this was his quote. He says, I played against the best OJ Simpson, Gail Sayers, Walter Payton, and Delaney ranks right up there with them. He's great with a capital G. And that, and, and he gave that away uh, to try to save somebody else. So to me, that is the epitome of a sports hero who somebody who could do it on the field, but was willing to, to, to lay it down for others. I mean, you, you know, the story of Pat Tillman and some of those other guys, but this, that story just really struck me as I was, as I was looking around trying to find who I would consider a sports hero. That's a really, that's cool. I mean, it, it, uh, it's true. You know, like, I think, I think, those that that's what a what that's what hero really means to me is someone who um not necessarily someone that's entertaining or even great but someone that's that's willing to um you know put themselves second you know and, and do something for somebody else that's that's what a hero is and that's why you know like you think about our our service men and women um you know like those those are real heroes so when we talk about sports heroes um yeah, there's there's guys that are entertaining and guys that have left left uh, uh, an impression uh, because of because of their on field or on court or whatever uh, performance. But um, you know, I, I think I think remembering stories like that is really important too because that's that's truly what a hero is. Well, it just happens that he was a hero who happened to be really good at football. There you sure. go. Yep. There you go. Yeah. And I think we can get caught up so much in the statistics and that's what makes it fun. 
but there are, that is a example of many stories that we have seen and heard where people who happen to be sports figures gave the ultimate sacrifice to protect or help someone else. And, you know, we don't realize, because we don't think about this, but back in the, you know, in the fifties and Korean war, a lot of those guys, even in the forties and world war II, think about the great baseball players that had to go um, and fight in the war. Yeah. And gave up quote unquote prime years of their baseball careers to do their duty as American servicemen. Well, and I, as I was researching this, you know, Bob Feller jumps to mind. He was in the prime of his career, and after at the day after Pearl Harbor hit, he goes to volunteer. Yeah. Doesn't wait to be asked. He yeah. just goes. Um, th- those those are the kinds of things um, that kind of stick with you as a hero. Uh, then the last one I've got is is real simple. It's it's somebody who I watched when I was five years old that created a love for me that I am now having a ball passing on down to my grandson. Um, I watched a guy race a car on a short track in New York by the name of Dutch Hogue. Drove the number seven, coolest looking car. Uh, Watched him when I was five years old. And now I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I, I mean, I like it, but I really enjoy going to short track races. And I get to take my grandson Cohen with me and we get to watch together and it is so much fun. And uh, Dutch Ho, the reason he stands out, he won 400 races in his career. I mean, stop and think about that. You know, if you're racing once or twice a week for a season of 26 weeks, right? How many years do you have to race to win 400 main events, right? That's, that's That's a ton. He was really good. We watched him for about two or three years when I was in New York. And uh, I have loved going to short track ever since then. That's why he's my hero because he gave me something to pass down and I am having a ball with it. That's really cool. You know, I think, I think that's a, that's a cool angle too, is like uh, sports. I mean, sports heroes or whatever sports figures who kind of um, foster an interest in you. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, I've got a guy like that. Um, when I, and this, this guy was not particularly even that good. Uh, but man, was he entertaining when I was, when I was growing up, Jason Williams played for the Kings. I was a point guard for the white Kings. chocolate, white chocolate. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, he was the type of guy who you'd never want to coach, um, because he would just do some of the dumbest stuff. But well, Jordan, you could deal with that, right? but um man he would just do stuff where you you it's kind of like 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 you know bonds was must see tv because you know, eric like you mentioned you get that one pitch a night and you just you wouldn't want to miss it well it was kind of the same way when jason williams would play i mean every time he'd bring the ball up the floor you didn't know if he was just gonna you know deliver a standard pass or if he was going to bounce it off the, off his elbow or like, you know, send it through his legs or something. It's just the the craziest stuff would happen. And it was so entertaining. He would be a play by play man's dream and a color man's nightmare. I would love to hear (laughs) what Brian would say about some of the stuff that he tried to do. And I would love to be one that called some of the stuff that he did do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
And so I think for me, you know, um, like I, I think he, he really made basketball extra entertaining. I, I always enjoyed, I mean, I kind of grew up in a basketball family. I always enjoyed watching basketball, um, especially college basketball, you know, I'd get into the tournament and whatnot. Um, but, but, uh, as far as the NBA goes and the pros, um, I, I really didn't care. I, I didn't follow it that much, um, prior to Jason Williams. Cause my, probably cause Michael Jordan was always winning. So it wasn't really that, you know, it, it wasn't entertaining enough. Yeah. But then He didn't uh, screw up as much as Jason Williams did. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was like the perfect, it was the perfect package wrapped up for a fan because he could dazzle you and you'd be so excited but then the next trip down the floor you could like throw your shoe through the television set because you're so frustrated at what he did you know and that's that's what like sports fandom is all about right it's the highs and lows and he was he was all of that you know in in a quarter um so i i think ever since him and, he, and you know now we see guys like steph curry and they do they do amazing things and and it's just super entertaining but he was kind of like I mean, I know that there were guys before him, Pete Maravich and, and all that, but as far as my generation goes, um, he really took the game away from just the, the feed it into the post and let's back everybody down and, you know, ISO ball and all that stuff. Um, he kind of was the first guy to bring back ball movement and player movement and, and really make the game pretty and fun to watch again. So, Brian, For me, I'm, anyway. I'm teeing you up an easy one. What college? Jay University Will. of Florida. Bingo. Yeah. Agata. Just giving you an easy one to end with there. <laughs> want to thank you all I for taking a school of hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, T-O-U is what he went to. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, want to thank you all for taking your time to listen to this podcast, episode 93 of Get In The Game on Sports Heroes. Um, Make sure that you listen and, and and let your friends know if you have any kind of enjoyment with this at all. And if you want to punish them and you don't like it, let them know too. They'll, that, that'll be good. We'll take anybody that listens. Uh, but thank you for spending some time with us. And remember, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, get in the game. You've been listening to Get in the Game, an exclusive presentation of the Blue Chip Sports Network. Get in the game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and bluechipbroadcasting.com.